fired up. Um, I am thankful to uh, have a room to meet in, and uh, this is a cool way to uh, have Sunday. It's always good to mix it up a little bit. Um, turn your Bibles to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. And as we're doing that, um, I want to encourage you that very soon we're going to have a very special service called The Big Game Party. It's going to be awesome. And uh, I, I wanted to uh, um, really just encourage you to just make a list of friends that you want to come out to this. I'm, I'm really renewed, and, and, and I have a lot, a lot more friendships, actually, than I did last year. It's kind of cool just being in Cape. I have a ton of new friends that I want to bring to this. Uh, and their and their families, and as well, just a lot of different people that I've met in the Portland area that I think would be just so blown away by this. And the thing I'm thinking about is just that what's the biggest game of all that we're trying to win, and that's our battle to get to heaven. Amen. And that's the biggest game of all, and that's what we're going to be talking about. It's just getting to heaven, making it. And uh, today, this morning, actually, I was listening to Mario's uh, song, I'm Going to Make It, uh, and... Uh, we have our very own Alicia and Jeremy uh, Oriole uh, that, that sing and, and rap in that. And uh, it's a powerful song about I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it, make it, make it, make it, make it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and just kind of the, 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 the importance of, you know, really having a dream to go to heaven. And uh, this, this year I've been trying to write down my goals every single day, twice. Once in the morning, once at night. Can't say I've been always doing it good at night, but in the morning I've been trying to write that the first thing I say is my biggest dream is to see God's face, amen, and to be there uh, and, and to bring as many people as I can uh, with me. And, um, but this is a great opportunity. We have uh, Justin just grilling it up. He told me today he's going to have pork chops. He's going to have ribs. He's going to have chicken. And he said he's going to even have steak. I was like, what is this, a Brazilian restaurant? What is happening right now? He's like, and I'm going to have a pig. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say a pig. He's going to, I'm going to, I'm going to retiss a pig, you know. But um, uh, we're also going to have other treats for, for those that are vegans, amen. Um, we'll, ha- we'll definitely have a vegan chili somewhere um, in our midst. And then we're going to obviously have our chili off. But... Um, I don't want any more room in the, the big party. You know, like what, what did Jesus say in his parable? He said, make them come to the banquet. Fill it up. You know, there's still room. You know, that's what God says in the Bible. And we want to fill up the room. We want to fill up enough people to hear God's message. And um, uh, we, that's where actually uh, Brianna was baptized. That last, you know, was really awesome. And seeing her grow, and, and it's been awesome. So please... Uh, mark that on your calendar. I was going to definitely, I'd like to do something on Facebook that uh, gives us a chance to f- meet, reach our friends. And then even like, I don't know, I'm going to talk to Lyanne because she knows the best about this, but how to get everyone to, you know, know how many people are actually coming, you know, somehow, some way uh, through like an Evite or maybe just an, uh, a Facebook event uh, thing that we can do. So I'll talk to her more about that. But I'd like just to be uh, a lot more on social media as well, because I think uh, there's many times I post this stuff, 
and people have come, you know, because of that. So, uh, especially uh, you youngsters in the campus, you know, um, you guys want to, you guys don't even really say anything to each other. You just kind of electronically, socially do it. <laughs> Did you see my post the other day? Yeah, man, that was deep. <laughs> Saves a lot of time, you know, which is great. No, you guys talk to each other. All right. Um, second thing is we had an awesome time with the Owenses yesterday. We had a, a married event. It was really awesome. And uh, they talked about uh, the eight principles of marriage. Uh, I know there were some people that couldn't make it. We did record it, uh, and we're pairing up. Uh, so we'll be, I'll be sending an email out more about that. But um, I'm just feeling love in my heart towards you guys. Amen. Us marrieds, you know what I mean? And I, I want to say that I'd like to get us each the book, Eight Principles of Marriage, and for all of us to have that and uh, to go through it as couples, uh, you know, and to help each other uh, see that. But then this... Uh, February 23rd through 25th uh, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, we're going to have a marriage event, which is going to be awesome, uh, called Better Together. And isn't that true? Amen. Amen. You know, when I was a single, I was not, I was, I was, you know, I was okay. But then when, when I, when Danielle came into my life, it definitely became better. <laughs> my life became better. Everything became better. You should see my house before. I met Danielle. It's funny. I went from a brother's household that had rats in it. We had Bible talk one time, and I'm preaching there. I'm preaching, God wants everyone to go to heaven. We got the whole place packed out, and I see this mouse run across my kitchen. Everyone's back is toward the kitchen, mind you, and I'm seeing the rat. And I'm like, Jesus said. And the, the little mouse is like, and he was like listening to the word you know what I mean and I was like I was like what do I do right now do I say mouse you know so I did the most wisest thing is I didn't say anything and then it just went into my it, it used to hide in my stove somehow I don't know what it was so weird I had a brother who wasn't doing well spiritually he used to put Galatians 519 on my milk and say don't steal my milk I said, bro, Galatians 5.19 has nothing about stealing. Why do you put that scripture on there? He's like, and the like, bro. And the like. I was like, oh my goodness. Brother's got issues. So then I went from that to moving in and getting married with Danielle. It was like literally going from Hades to heaven. You know, coming out of the pit of darkness. Maybe you brothers are like, man, that brother had some issues. But we, we, there's a lot of great brothers' households, by the way. I mean, especially in Portland here. Amen. You guys are, if you saw my household, you would have not respected me as much. Uh, we just had too many people. Rule number one, don't have more than four people in your households or things are going to go wrong. Five sisters or four brothers. That's kind of the ratio, I, 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 according to my estimation. Amen. What does this have to do with the sermon? Nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, uh, it was awesome. We're going to have uh, the, um, the great messages by Cash and Maria. They did an awesome job last week. And if you missed it, don't worry. We recorded it. It was tear-jerking, moving, about having joy, joy, being joyful always. And um, it, it really was one of the best messages I've heard from Cash, just about why we can be joyful at all times. Um, 
Last but not least, I do want to encourage you guys that we have a new sister that moved in, Jenny Patterson, guys, from Florida. Stand up. Come on. It's really awesome to have you. You've already brought so much joy to all of us, and we're excited. She's going to be uh, basically... uh, really getting her pre-med requirements here and uh, at USM. And so she's uh, a really great addition, and we're so excited to have you here, Jenny, with us. Um, amen. Well, uh, let's jump in. We're going to have a two-part series in the next two Sundays. It's going to be called Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. Okay, Vision Sunday. And today, we're going to be talking about a spirit-filled fellowship. Next week, we're going to be talking about every part is vital for that spirit-filled fellowship. Amen? Every part is vital. You know, you ever feel like, ah, it doesn't matter if I come to church today. No, that's a lie from Satan. You know, oh, it doesn't matter if I, I don't give as much as I know I can give. That, that is a lie from Satan. You know, what can I offer? That is a lie from Satan. We're going to be talking about that next week. And uh, it's going to be great to have different people hopefully speak on that subject. Today I want to talk about just my dream and our dream, our leadership group's team, I think, in the coming year of what we hope to see happen uh, through God's power. Amen? Amen. So uh, the first, uh, first passage that I think is amazing, uh, let's go to Proverbs, uh, like we talked about, 29. And um, it's important to have vision, amen? Yeah. Um, you know... We, we really need vision. Uh, God's people always needed men and women who had visions. And um, when we don't have vision, there's a big problem with God's people. It's really bad. And in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, Where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Or the, uh, the King James Version uh, says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I like that version better, actually. You know, because I think it's, it's more direct. You know, without vision, prophetic vision from God's word, the people perish. Amen? Yeah. You know, it was a tough thing in Samuel's time when it said, there were very little visions from God to the people. You know, there was little revelation. And, amen, that's not the case today, amen? amen. But it's important that we have vision, that, that God's word is preached, and that we have vision amongst our people, amen? amen? And what's inspiring to me is that it's not just one person that's supposed to be the prophet, Amen? It's not just one woman that's supposed to be the prophetess. Amen? Amen. That all of us are prophets, the Bible says. All of us are prophetesses. We all have the ability to have vision in God's kingdom. Spiritual vision. Vision that is from God. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. You know, and as I think about this, I've been here seven years now, and God's done amazing things. But you know, when you're here, and, and I know a lot of people, we went around actually, and we said, how long have you been in Portland? 
we had our marriage time and people shared and, you know, seven years, six years, five years. And I don't know about you, but you can feel like, you know, it, it, it can get kind of old sometimes. And even people have said, can we not do two songs up front? A welcome. Another song. I know what's happening before it happens. I don't I want to be surprised on Sunday. I go, amen, that's great. We do need to change things up. We do need to have vision, amen? Oh, the worship team does an amazing job. It's, it's not about them. It's about having new vision and being excited about where we are in, in God's kingdom. You know, Acts 2 speaks about this incredible time of Pentecost when the whole house was filled up with the Holy Spirit, amen? And it says in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, suddenly... A sound like a blowing of the violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. This was an amazing time where it says this wind just filled the whole house up, amen, and then filled every person there with the Holy Spirit. And they did amazing things. And then everyone was bewildered. What's happening here? This is weird. This is crazy. What's going on? It's only 9 in the morning. And in verse 17, Peter gets up and explains what this is about. And he says in verse 17, in a prophetic way, through Joel chapter 2, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Amen? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Come on, old men. Even on my servants, both men, not just the men, but women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. Then he goes, verse 21, and everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. This is inspiring, guys. We live in the last days. This is the time for us to be a fellowship filled with the Holy Spirit. And the only way we're going to rejoice as God's people, amen, is if we're filled up with the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to be joyful just on your own strength, amen? You know, you can't just kind of get joyful always. You get tired. You can do it for like an hour. That's amazing. You know, put on a happy face. Give. Hey, bro, let's be giving. You know, you're like, okay. You know, but doing that always? How? You know, as Cash was speaking, I, I feel very, very humbled about our theme, rejoice. Because I'm like, I'm figuring it out too. Shouldn't the preacher know what to do? Shouldn't he instruct his people? You know, physician, heal yourself. You know, you're Israel's teacher. You should know this stuff. I confess, I'm in the journey with you to be joyful always. But with God's spirit, I believe we can do it. And what's exciting about being joyful always now, number one, rejoicing always Who's fired up about that? I'm fired up about that. that. That excites me, being joyful always. What's it mean to be joyful? It means to, to, to be, be, be rejoicing. It means to be joyful, to be abundantly blessed and happy, 
to have a, a spiritual mindset that transcends time, transcends circumstances, it also means to thrive. It was funny. I looked up that up. And there's a, you know, our conference is coming up, Thrive. And I was like, what's this word thrive? Like, why are we even doing it? You know, I'm the communication director. I'm like, why did we name it thrive? Well, we named it thrive because we named it thrive, you know, and we're going to thrive as disciples. And I'm like, where in the Bible is thrive? And then I learned that the Greek word, one of the, one of the ways we describe this word rejoice is thrive. And I thought, wow, this is so encouraging that as disciples, if we're joyful always, man, we're thriving. When someone asks you, how are you doing, look at your rejoicing meter. And that's a good indication of how you're doing spiritually. That joy is a, is a litmus test, is a fruit, amen, of God's spirit in your life. But we can do it, amen. And so what's our vision as a spirit-filled fellowship? The first thing is we really want to be joyful always. Always. Always and forever, each moment with you. You know, my goodness, always and forever. You know, I'm amazed that that's what God calls us to. Be joyful most of the time. God, I mean, that's pretty inspiring too. That's kind of hard too. I don't know about you, but some of us aren't joyful a little bit. Some of us are just not naturally that way. It's okay. God says, you can do it. You can be joyful always. You can do it. Now, you can still be you though. Amen? Amen. You don't have to be someone else. You can be you. In your own personality, you can be joyful. Always. Always. You know, that is my first and biggest dream for our group. You know, don't you want your children, don't you want your brothers and sisters to be joyful? You know, when, 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 when Noah comes in, he's smiling. It makes me happy to see him smile. God, he brings joy to God's heart when we're joyful. When we realize how blessed we are, when we realize how incredibly connected with God we are, we are moved. And Jesus said that if we understand the secrets of joy, nothing can take it away. Amen? Let's go to John 16. Jesus is about to go to the cross, guys. And he's about to, to die. He's about to leave his people. And he said something profound. I mean, really profound here in verse 22. It says, So with you, now is your time of grief. Because he's about to go. But I will see you again. And you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. Wow. That's what God said. That's what the Savior said. He said that once I'm resurrected, once I come back, once you see me again, you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. Wow. Nothing. No circumstance. No physical challenge. No 
No personality that comes in your face. No tragedy. No disappointment. No failure. No sin. No temptation. No struggle. Will take away your joy. Wow. Tap me into that, Lord. Teach me that, Lord. I'm excited to learn about that. You know, I want to rejoice always. What does that even mean? Well, it doesn't mean being like the Joker. You know, the Joker had a permanent smile on his face. That's what made him weird. I think, obviously, there were some great Jokers played, but the best of all, obviously, was the last one. Uh, And we know he didn't do so well. We also know Jack Nicholson was freaky when he played that role. He was like... Now, if you walked around the fellowship like that, that would not be encouraging. You know, someone shares their heart with you and you're like, it's okay, sister. You're going to be okay. How can you relate to someone like that? So we know God's not saying just, just be exceedingly happy like this all the time. Joy might mean you cry sometimes. What is joy? I'm trying to figure it out with you. But I believe it means to thrive. It means that nothing takes your eyes off of what the most important things are. See, what this life does is it takes you off course of what you really, really need to focus on. You know, I got, oh, I got, I lost my job. Man, that is discouraging. But do you realize you'll never lose your salvation? Do you realize you'll never not be forgiven by God's grace? And you realize that no one can snatch you out of God's hand. Right. You know, if you start thinking that way, things come into perspective. What is joy for always means? It means to have a heavenly perspective yeah. all the time. Or when you jump out of that, you go back. It's living in the eternal world while you have your feet on the physical world. That is exciting. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Nailing this home, guys. This is my vision that all of us are joyful always. Now, that means we are going to smile a lot. Amen? That does mean we're going to be happy. I mean, I think we're going to have a happier group. You know, people say a happier group is, is, is a better group to have than a discouraged group. Amen? And as a fellowship, what... Why wouldn't we be happy? Why wouldn't we be exceedingly joyful because of what we have? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. We've read this before. Rejoice always. Always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is God's will? There's only like five or six passages in all the Bible that speak about God's will. You know, it's interesting, like it says, this is God's will. And I always think to myself, man, those things you've got to highlight a couple times. Because yeah. if this is God's will, man, you know, we know one of God's will is to believe in his son. We know that is a huge, huge, this is also a huge thing, to be joyful always. But for some reason, it's a lesser thing for us. To pray continually is also God's will. And to be thankful in all circumstances. Amen. 
How do you do this? Well, I find that they're like three links. If you can pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, you will be joyful always. If if you rejoice always, you'll be praying about it and you'll give thanks. Mm -hmm. And they're all together. They're all together. And so that's maybe one of the secrets. I'm going to try that out. Just trying to be someone. What does it mean to pray continually? People ask me that all the time. I believe it's to be in this connection with the Father at all times. See, that's actually what you are. You are connected to the Father at all times. But being aware of that connection. I love, there was often times when, when, when Jesus would say, he, would just, he wouldn't say, okay, now we're going to pray. You notice that? Okay, guys, let's get together and pray. He would just be like, Father, just like out of nowhere. Yeah. I thank you that you hear me. I know that you always hear me. But I say this for these people right here. It's like, well, have you ever had other conversations we don't know about? You know, speakerphone is always on. <laughs> it never gets disconnected. There's no drop calls with God. Amen? You are connected at all times. And therefore, we can pray continually. You know? Even when I'm sleeping, I, I, I feel bad because it's not that inspiring to listen to. Me sleeping. But even when I sleep, God is watching. God is connected to me. The Bible says that when I sleep, He watches over me. You know, I used to go into you know, all the kids' rooms and, and watch them when I sleep. You know, it's fun. It's a little, if you're not a parent, that's a little weird. But if you are a parent, that's just what you do. And just seeing them in that perfect state. I wonder if God likes me more when I'm sleeping. <laughs> That's good. He's finally just relaxing. That's the way he needs to be. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, guys. These are some of the passages we're going to dig into this year. Be joyful always. Rejoice always in who? The Lord. In the Lord. See, rejoice always without the Lord is impossible. Here's a man in prison, could get executed, and you'd think he's having a party in that cold jail cell. He is the most fired up Christian in the known world right now. And he's in a smelly jail with no food and churches that are struggling all over him. And he says in verse 4, rejoice always. And I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Wow. This is God's will for us. This is our vision. This is our aim. This is what our teaching is going to be about. This is what our discipling times are going to be about. This is what we're going to be speaking about. You know, I think about it. If, if we are a joyful fellowship, we are all unstoppable unstoppable you know you can't take my joy that makes me unstoppable because if I keep my joy I keep my perspective amen Amen. rejoice in the Lord always you know I think we'll learn a lot about God this year we might not focus so much on joy as an emotion or joy as a fruit but to focus on the root of it all that God 
that we really are getting joyful from. In many ways, this is, we should have just called this God. What's your theme this year? God. <laughs> we should do that one year, you know? What's your theme? God. No, bro, what's your theme? It's God. All right. Maybe a little bit more specific. God. He's got a lot of names. I can be specific, you know? Be joyful always. Second thing is, let's go to Numbers, uh, Numbers chapter 11. Numbers. Who says Numbers isn't awesome, guys? See, what Numbers is, it has like these amazing passages hidden in all this boringness. Now, if you really are a teacher, teachers you realize this is speaking of the Christ, and there's a lot of things that you know I've learned from different teachers. But for all of us that are reading and aren't into those deep, deeper things, we realize that Numbers is a book of great wisdom. And I love this. This is one of my favorite passages. And if you don't read the Bible you know, through, you'll never find these passages. And I want to encourage you, if, that, if you've never done that before, please read through the Bible. The whole, the whole year. Take, your, take a year's Bible and go through it because you don't want to miss passages like this. Amen? You don't want to miss passages like this. In Numbers chapter 11, in verse uh, 26... I love this. However, two men whose names are Elad and Medad. Medad. It wasn't my dad. <laughs> had remained in camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the spirit had rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Elad and my dad are prophesying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. In camp, Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Stop them from prophesying. You're the true prophet. This is rebellion. What did Moses say? Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. Wow. And that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Man. This (laughs) chills me down to the bone. You know? Because one day someone like him would make this a possibility. Moses is... Moses' ministry was such a glorious ministry, amen? The, the, the amazing things he did, the Bible says in the end of you know, Deuteronomy, there was no prophet like him, you know? And yet, Jesus' ministry is even gl- more glorious. Amen. Because all God's people can prophesy, amen? amen? You know, right before that, I think who taught him that was, was, was Jethro, a man full of the Spirit as well. In Exodus 18, you can read it yourself in verse 14 through 26. Jethro's, there's like a half a million people, maybe a million people that he's leading. And there's just this long line, like a terrible meat line, taking a number. You know what I mean? For Moses. I have a dispute, Moses. I have a question, Moses. Moses, Moses, Moses. And Moses is like, oh my goodness. 
I'm going to kill you people. <laughs> he was getting frustrated, right? He was getting overwhelmed. And people were not getting their needs met. And when people don't get their needs met, people aren't joyful. And they're anything less than joyful. And yet God said, through, through Jethro, what you're doing isn't good. That's always not encouraging to hear, you know? Someone comes to the church, what you're doing isn't good. Uh, okay. Moses was the most humble man on the earth, the Bible says. Which is cool. Numbers says that as well. And so he took the advice. And, and Jethro's advice was, break the people up in tens and twenties, fifties and hundreds. And, and put leaders over them to shepherd them according to their abilities. And have the people go to them. You know, and, and, and you know, to us, it's like, oh, that's no big, that was, that was huge. That was like, that was a huge idea. And he did that. And it says the people, people will come home satisfied. It's encouraging, right? Amen. To think about how God's built up our group. God's built up our group in a great way. And it's encouraging to see everyone growing in the Lord. And yet I believe God's calling us to do that more in our group. Currently, I disciple eight people. So for those that don't know what discipling means, it means kind of like I'm sort of in their life, they're in my life, we're helping each other out spiritually. But then I have three boys that are growing and a wife, and that I kind of call that 11. <laughs> then what about me? I need help. So I get with Jimmy and other people too to get myself spiritually helped they help me too a lot of these brothers help me a lot of these people help me but that's too much and people are, and then there's other people i just want to spend time with this is this is not this is this is not anything compared to moses moses had like a million people disciples <laughs> and that he was he was he was a little more well than me but what i'm hoping we're hoping to do is to to break the church into family groups and to have Family groups established in the church that aren't just marrieds or singles Amen. or campus, yeah. but mixing them all together. Because yeah. that's what you have in a family. Amen. Yeah. In a family, you have older people, younger people, right? People with different talents, right? That's what a family is. Yeah. Now, that's not going to take away from our ministries. Amen. Not going to take away from what the campus is doing on campus. Not going to take away from their devotional. Not going to take away from the, what the pros ministry is doing and going down to singles devotional. Not going to take. Away, it's just going to be a, a group of people that can build each other up more. And there, you guys are going to basically be able to figure out what works for you guys and encourage each other. These family groups are going to build family. Amen. Because they're called family groups. You know, there's something awesome about. You know, uh, that, that, you know, that just going to a place where you can just be yourself. And it's a smaller group, but you can just be yourself. And people know your name. People know who you are. And you feel welcomed. And when you're having a tough day, you can go there. And people will love up. And you can talk to that younger guy who's fired up. You know, and then you can also talk to someone who's been through what you've been through. And then you can talk to a peer that can, can call you higher. You know, that's what we want to see in the, in the family groups. A group, a group, family groups will be a place where you shepherd one another. Yeah. That's not just one person shepherding. Everyone shepherds. Yeah. Everyone shepherds each other's hearts. 
We're shepherding our hearts, not, did you show up on Sunday? We're talking about just your heart. How is your heart doing? You know, there's some people that go to church that their hearts aren't, they need shepherded. There's people that don't go, hearts, don't go to church maybe once or twice because they're, they, they, they're doing great. They just got sick. You know, but we all need to shepherd each other because we'll build up God's church more. We have so many people that are about to study the Bible. I know it. People that are going to really get into the word. And we need a family for them to connect into. And I believe that, you know, whenever you have orphans, right? And that's what we all are before, you know, we, we became adopted. We became, we were orphans and placed in a family. Amen? Amen. And what they do is they kind of see, okay, what's your family like? They, they check out where you live and what you do and all that stuff. And then, then they, they place you there. Amen? Yeah. Well, if our family's like, ah, you're everywhere, and, you know, maybe that's not going to be the best family that God's going to want to add to our number in. Yeah. <laughs> but a group that where people are taken care of and everyone's needs are satisfied, yeah. that's a group that has a lot more ability to grow. Yeah. A lot of us are going to have to raise up. Amen. If you don't think you're a leader... You're wrong. You might be surprised very soon. That means you've got to step up your relationship with God. Because without your relationship with God, there's no way anyone can lead. And we're all going to have to give more. And serve more. But that joy will keep us going. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 15. A fellowship of prophets and prophets. Why is that? Well, I'm talking about the fact that I don't think that's where we are right now, where it's like, okay, let's just, I have a question, a spiritual question. Let me go, I got to go to Glenn. I don't think that's where we are. Actually, I don't think that's at all where we're at. But I think all of us can do that for each other. Romans 15 is an awesome passage. And I remember Chip Mitchell kind of showed this to me, and I was like, wow, what an insight, bro. You think Chip's, you know, laughing and giggling all the time. He's a deep brother. Verse 15, the Bible says, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, amen, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Now, that doesn't seem like a profound passage. Paul knows his people, you know, he knows that they're competent. What is the most profound thing about this is that Paul's never personally met these people. And if you read earlier in Romans, it says that he wasn't able to visit them yet. Right. And he was hoping to visit them yet. And he's like, I am confident that you're full of goodness. You ever just kind of get a little suspicious of people? Yeah. What's their intentions? <laughs> you know, that brother's full of goodness. Mm. I'm convinced of it. Because yeah. God's Holy Spirit's in them. They're filled up with God's Holy Spirit. Look at them. Be naive in the kingdom. You know, obviously, we, can't, we have to be wise. But when it comes, be the fool. You know what? I, I've spent my whole Christian life being the fool. There's passages that support that. And that's why maybe I like for being a Christian. Because I can be a fool and get away with it. But being a fool means just giving your heart to someone. And saying, you know what, I'm not going to mistrust you. You know what, you're going to have to prove that you're not good. 
to me because I'm going to treat you because you're full of goodness. Then he says you're competent, full of wisdom, by the way, amazingly full of wisdom. So the Bible says you are, all are. You know, when I talk to you guys, it's amazing. You guys are full of wisdom. Full of wisdom. Competent to instruct one another. In many ways, you don't even need me around. Oh, no, Glenn. Some people are like, I've been thinking that the whole time. <laughs> the whole time I've been thinking that. You finally said that? You know. But that's what Paul said. You know, how could Paul lead all these churches? Think about it. He went to Thessalonica. Three weeks later, he's like, peace, I'm out. I got to go. That's craziness. And this church is then the model of faith. Now, they need a little help. They, they didn't believe in the, the, the Lord already came and took people. You know, it's not like it was perfect. <laughs> Jada comes up to me, Jesus has already come back. What are we going to do? I'm like, what do you mean? I missed him? You know, and you know, basically that was going on in the church. And so it wasn't perfect, but they still were a model of faith because God's Holy Spirit was in them. Because the word of God came with power and conviction in their lives. You know, there's a lot in you that you haven't even discovered yet. Well, I'm not really good with the Bible. Who says so? People that are good in the Bible, they just read their Bible. I know a lot of people go, well, I'm not like Jesse. He's super smart. He's got the teacher gift. Now, he's feeling weird I'm saying all that, but that's true. I don't think I have a teacher's gift, but I know the Bible, and I can teach the Bible. You know, if you just read your Bible, you will become a Bible scholar. You might not get a PhD, but to tell you what, you might know more than the PhDs do. Just read your Bible. See, if you want to teach the Bible, you've got to read the Bible. So just, I'm going to work on reading the Bible. Amen. And then watch God use you to teach the Bible. Amen. Right? So for us, it's to teach one another, instruct one another, disciple one another in the group. And to do what works for each other. So shepherd one another, build family one another, disciple one another, and then fish for men and women together. Amen? Amen? Amen. Mark 1, let's go there. We've read this before. Last point's going to be real quick. Mark 1 speaks about these young men, and some of them were old, that were fishing, right? And verse 16, Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee, chapter 1. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew cast a net in the lake, for they were fishermen. He said, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out. To fish for people. Other versions say, I will make you become a fisher of men. I love how that wording really inspires me. I will make you become a fisher of men. You know, for us, I want us all to know how to study the Bible with people. I know I've said that before. Who's heard me say that? Raise your hand. Hold me accountable to that. Now, I'm going to give you everything you need. You have to spend some time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it within your family groups. What inspires me 
is that if we do that within our family groups, then we can help each other. My first Word of God study, you would be so uninspired by. It was the worst. It was the, I mean, it was the worst. It was cool. This guy, he was super open. You ever share your faith in the street and someone goes, hey, would you like something to eat? Why don't you come to my house? It was like first century style. On UNH campus, which is like the coldest campus sometimes. Everyone's like, I'm all set, I'm all set, I'm all set, you know. So we're going around. This one guy's like, you know what? I would love to sit down with you and read the Bible. And I'm like, cool, let's set up a time. He's like, can we do it right now? And we're like, well, my minister uh, isn't here. Okay, let's do it. Word of God study. Where is the Word of God study? Word of God study. <laughs> so he's, he's giving me, and he, you know, he, he's a humble guy. He's giving me Kool-Aid, you know, Kool-Aid, red Kool-Aid. And he's, he, got, he has Pez. I'm like, is this food? What's going on? He's giving me Pez. So I'm all sugared up, amen? I'm all sugared up. I'm like, okay, Word of God <laughs> study. I'm about to do it. And I'm like, you know, I'm at the first Timothy passage. I'm like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like an airplane. And I start doing this. <laughs> but I didn't know anything after that. I knew it was like an airplane, but I forgot about the wings, life and doctrine, that whole thing. I, I forgot about that, so I just kept going. And then the guy that we just, literally just came out of the water, took over. The guy that I was supposed to shepherd and be over, took over and started leading the rest of that passage. And then Jason Durgan looked at me and was like, would you mind, Glenn, if he led the study? He's better than you. I was like, okay. And the young Christian took over the study. And I was like, this guy's fired up. And I learned a lot from just listening to him. This guy became a Christian. This guy became a Christian, not because... <laughs> Although, he remembers it, too. Sometimes he sees me, he's like, remember when you were doing this? Like, yeah. You didn't know what you were doing. I know. But thank you for helping me. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. Now, later on, I did challenge him a little bit, because I knew one passage, you know. He thought he was real religious, and I was like, don't think you know everything. Because these people in Matthew 7, they, they thought they were right with God. And, and they said, Lord, Lord. And I shared that passage with him. Remember that? And Lord, Lord. And he got convicted. So I helped out a little bit. Amen. But it was because I read my Bible. I, that day I read Matthew 7. <laughs> and it was God, you know. And again, God can use you to do that. Amen. And so within the family groups, once we get established, for us to be able to do that and, and, and help each other to do that. You know, to lead studies, to, to teach one another, to become fishers of men together. And it's about a family adopting, through God, another person. Amen? Yeah. A fellowship of prophets and prophetesses. You are a prophet, you are a prophetess. That's what you are. Miranda's a prophetess. Because if she can, she can, she can you know, help someone through nursing, <coughs> she can save lives that way. Why wouldn't she be able to save lives spiritually? Amen. You know, with, with dental school, and even even medical school, they're like, okay, watch me, then you do it, now you're competent. And they're just learning all these things quick. I'm like, wait, that's like for everything. Heart open, okay, watch me, now do it. Okay, now you're ready. 
I'm like, what about doing it like seven times, maybe 25 times? That would be more encouraging for me. But then they learn through doing. Last point. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. A fellowship led by the Spirit. You know, if we're filled with the Spirit, we've got to be led by the Spirit. And this is, you know, we talk about prophets. prophets, There's some like meat on this, that last point. And then the one before is about joy, and we have passage on this one. This one's kind of like a mysterious one a little bit. Because there is a lot that the Bible says about the Spirit that's true. The Spirit is not confusing. The Spirit doesn't bring us confusion. Amen? The Spirit does never contradicts God's Word. The Spirit never contradicts God's will. Because it's God. Amen? Because He's God. It's like me contradicting my own will. That doesn't make any sense, right? So the Spirit would never do that. And so there's a lot of teachings on the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes we can be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a little crazy here. You know, I say, you know, let's get a little crazy. Amen. Biblically crazy. Meaning that we are led by the Spirit. You know, there's a revival. We talked about this before. The Wales Revival. And one of their things was to follow the Holy Spirit's lead every time. That's crazy. So if God says, sing, just do it right there. Sing. Maybe get some advice. But don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit in your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 it's actually after, right after, rejoice, always pray, continue, and give thanks in all circumstances, right? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Then Paul says, verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. Wow. Do not quench the Spirit. Those five words are super deep, aren't they? I've quenched the Spirit. I believe we all have, right? What quenches the Spirit? Fear of what we're going to look like. What if we fail? What if it doesn't go well? What if they all laugh at you? These are the things we all feel. How do we get into this Spirit-filled time where God's Spirit leads us? Well, here's some other passages in the Spirit you can write down. But the last passage I want to look at is Acts 13. This is our vision. Next week we're going to talk a little bit about what's your individual part, amen? What's your individual part of this fellowship, amen? But this is now a collective vision. A group filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I remember Chris Gredlick's... um, it was after service. I don't think he's here. He just left. It. He went, went to the bathroom. But um, he just got up in the middle of service. Remember that? Who was there when that happened? He wasn't even uh, restored yet. And he just gets up in the middle of service. He's like, glad I'm going to say something. And I'm like, wouldn't I say what now? <laughs> I just finished preaching, you know. It's like, oh, what? say what now? Everybody! I was like... You know, as a minister, when, when that happens, you're like, you're, you're frozen in time. You're like, 
you know. Everybody, listen to me. I want to say something to you. He was like, and he shared his most vulnerable secrets to everyone. And I'm going to be restored. I was like, God was like, just move out the way. Just get out the way. You know? And he was restored. And he's going to share his story on Super Bowl. He's going to share his story. He's been preparing it for two months. Cutting it down, cutting it down, cutting it down, cutting it down, cutting it down. And it's awesome. He wanted to make a video and then share. I was like, maybe that's a little bit. Let's just, you just, I think it's more powerful to not just see you on a video, but to you share like this. He's like, okay. He's been working on, he's more prepared for his sharing than I am for my sermon. You know, I'm inspired by that. You know, thinking about how, how powerful the Spirit can work on people. I've seen Don Tavis, the Holy Spirit work in his life. I've seen the Holy Spirit work in all your guys' life. And for us just not to quench it, to, to be able to, if God gives you a vision, to do it, to search it out, to, to test it, amen? amen? Bible also says test every spirit. You know, God says, sell your house and move to Africa. You're like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Maybe you want to do that right away. Test it, amen? Yeah. Test that Holy Spirit. But then if God says... Amen. God says. Acts 13. How do we come into a place where we're able to not quench the Holy Spirit? By worship. If we're going to be a joyful people, and we're going to be a people who are full of the Holy Spirit and prophesy to one another, and instruct one another, we have to learn how to worship in a greater way. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, you might be like, bro, I know how to worship. I'm the best worshiper in here. <laughs> and I know worship isn't just the outward. Actually, more of the worship is in the inward. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I can't relate to sometimes the people that got their hands up, you know what I mean? And they're like, you know, they're doing all this. I, I'm just not that kind of person. I, I'm I kind of more like, you know, inward. We all have a different style of worship. The worship team does a great job. But there have been times where the Holy Spirit put stuff on Carl's heart. He's come to me and said, Glenn, we got to teach the church about worship. Because I see him every Sunday. And many times he's encouraged. But there are times when he, I think the Spirit is grieved in his heart. Because his people don't know how to worship. You know, I don't think it's an easy thing to learn to worship. I think it's one of the most spiritual things you can learn. And so I'm not down on any of us. You know, I think all of us need to learn to worship. Because this is what happens. Acts 13, verse 1. Now in the church in Antioch, I'd love to say, now in the church in Portland, there are prophets and teachers. Amen? Barnabas. Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. 
So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Wow. Isn't that amazing? This is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Is when we worship. When we're worshiping privately and publicly. Now, was this a public service? I, I don't know. It seemed like it might have been just a family group getting together and worshiping. Asking God, what do you want us to do? And then God said, set apart Saul of Barnabas. Because of that Holy Spirit unquenching, amen, the Gentiles were saved. If you don't think worship is important, just remember this worship time. And how the Gentiles were saved. Because these men worshipped the God Almighty. You know, for us, we're going to spend some time this year getting in the Spirit through worship. Learning how to sing in their quiet times. Learning how to be spiritual people. Amen? I don't know about you, but I need to be more of a spiritual person. I can be like a rock sometimes. I can be like, you know really not spiritual sometimes. And worship is really being able to breathe in God and breathe out the world. I need to breathe out the world. Because there's a lot of world that comes into us. Amen? As we end, guys, this is our vision. I think this is our vision. And this is what we talked about as a leadership group, is that we're going to be a fellowship, a fellowship that is... Rejoicing always. A fellowship that is full of prophets and prophetesses. Amen? Amen. So you're no longer, you know, just Rick. Rick's a prophet. Rick's like, what do you mean? I'm a prophet? You don't feel like a prophet. But guess what? That's what all the prophets said. No, I'm not a prophet. Yes, you are. I'm too young. I can't speak. You know? They all said that, right? You're in good company. Now, if you're like, yes, I am a prophet, maybe that's not good either. It's that in-between level we've got to get to. But we are. See, the thing is, we are. Because we have God's Word, and we have the Spirit on us all. So if you don't think you're a prophet of prophecies, that you're wrong. You are. Maybe not in the sense you're going to write a Bible book. Amen? But you are speaking on behalf of God. And lastly, a fellowship led by the Holy Spirit. You know, just imagine a fellowship filled up with the Holy Spirit. Just I want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to picture a worship service. Where the house is packed with people. And there's joy in the room. Just great joy in the room. There's a lot of new faces. There's a lot of maturity happening in, this, in the room. People are filled up with the Holy Spirit. They're crying. They're laughing. They're chanting. They're, they're singing. They're excited about being at church. They're excited about the week they're going to have. They're excited about the Holy Spirit's putting on their hearts. And they're excited to get together in their family groups and forge Christ into one another. Just imagine a fellowship filled up with the Holy Spirit like that. That is what we can absolutely have. 
Amen.